Good to be here. Good to see everybody. Good that it's a nice sunny day. All week we've been checking the forecast on a daily basis. Are we in? Are we out? How do we get 300 people in the hall, sat around a table having a picnic? So thank you, Jesus, that it is a nice sunny day. Praise God. Well, this morning I'm talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, and I really wanted us to have a time of worship after the talk, um, rather than most of it before the talk, which is what we normally do, um, really because I wanted us to have an encounter this morning and to take that encounter with us when we go out into the park and enjoy fellowship with our other friends who are the body of Christ, as Lorna has reminded us, um, in this town, in this community as well. So today is Pentecost Sunday, and courtesy of VeggieTales this morning, we've seen um, a little extract of what happened on that morning. And uh, obviously, talking about the work of the Holy Spirit is a huge... Uh, huge subject, really. And Ben had originally said to me about wanting a shorter talk this morning, but you might be surprised to know I don't do short very well. Um, so I, I've done my best. There's a lot that I'm going to kind of send you away with to have a look at and reflect on. Because the work of the Holy Spirit is vast, but the mystery of that is that it's actually external and internal. What an incredible thing. So kind of looking at those two aspects, I'm mainly going to focus on the internal this morning, but um, kind of setting context, looking at some other scriptures as well, and then come into really studying the passages from John 14 onwards um, about what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. That's where I'm really focusing on later this morning. So if you've got Bibles with you, eventually we'll be at John 14. Everything will be on the screen. It's not coming up too great um, this morning. Hopefully you can read it. Okay, but starting us off, at the beginning, at the very, very beginning, we read in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So from the very, very beginning, God's Holy Spirit is there, hovering, brooding. And you know, I have that sense that it's still the same today. The Holy Spirit is waiting, is hovering, is brooding over cities, over individuals' lives, just waiting to spring forward. And you have that wonderful expression right at the beginning of Scripture, um, where the Holy Spirit is there, is present. And uh, Psalm 139, David expresses that, of course, God's Spirit is everywhere. Where can I go? Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up here, it's there. If I go down there, it's there. So in a sense, the Holy Spirit is everywhere. But we also can know him personally. And it's interesting how there can be places, whole places, which have a strong sense of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've been to places like that. Um, for me, I've uh, several times been blessed enough to go to Holy Island, to Lindisfarne. And uh, it is one of those places, they refer to it as thin places, where heaven just feels so near and on the whole island, really, for me, there's a real sense of the presence of God there. You know, the prayer that has gone on over centuries there. 
And uh, there's a regular rhythm of prayer on the island as people meet to pray and pray for the presence of God in that place. And you can feel that. It's tangible there. And also, as we gather together corporately in prayer and in worship, you also get that kind of sense and that feeling of the Holy Spirit, don't you? You know when the Holy Spirit's there. Um, A couple of weeks ago, we were praying for um, Miri and for June and for the family, as Miri uh, hasn't been well. And uh, I was actually remembering the first time, June, that you came to the bridge. And I remember June knocked on the door, and uh, I happened to answer it. And he said to me, is this church? And I said, yeah, it is. Come in, come in. So uh, I kind of gave him a bit of a tour around. And um, at that time, we were having a week of 24-7 prayer in the youth room. So our youth room had been a bit transformed. And uh, I took June in, and we just stood, really, in the doorway. Didn't want to disturb what was going on, and stood there quietly. And then I remember June whispered, you can feel the Holy Spirit in here. And I thought, this man can join our church. This is a good... (laughs) this is a good man, I thought. And, uh, and you could. And, you know, the, the youth room is a great room. And you, I'm in and out of there all the time. But that particular time, you knew the presence of the Holy Spirit. In the same way that the Holy Spirit is here with us all, but there are those times where the presence of God just hovers and dwells in a more deeper way. But the Holy Spirit, of course, isn't some external force. He's a person, isn't he? He's a person. And he dwells within us as a person and as individuals. So throughout the Bible, we see individuals in the Old Testament who were filled with the Spirit of God. Bezalel is one of my favorites. Because the way he was filled with the Spirit of God wasn't typical of the prophets, those who kind of worked miracles and healings. He was filled with the Spirit of God and wisdom and understanding, so it tells us, and the ability to create, to do amazing designs for the temple in gold, silver, bronze. That's how he was empowered to make all these things for the tabernacle. And today, God wants to meet with us as individuals and fill us with his Holy Spirit. So throughout the Old Testament, you see that God is pointing to doing a different work amongst us. And these two passages, I know I've referred to these several times when I've spoken, because they're so key. Because throughout the whole story of the Bible, we see God's children wandering away from him, constantly being disobedient, And as much as God is with them, they are turning away and worshipping other gods all the time. And God, through his prophet, says, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to make a change on the inside. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Remove from you your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, put my spirit in you and move you from within to follow my decrees and keep my laws. Jeremiah equally talks about that new covenant where the Lord says he will put his law in our minds and in our hearts. There's an indwelling of God's spirit to come. And we see that as Jesus comes and he explains that to the disciples as I'm going to uh, take us through. 
So in the same way that Jesus was baptized physically in water as an example to us, he also, as it was referred to in the video that we saw, was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus didn't need to be baptized in water in the same way as us because he was without sin. And equally, he was one with the Spirit as he was one with his Father, but he still had that baptism of the Holy Spirit that we see here. And following that filling of the Holy Spirit, you can see the reference in Luke, he goes out into the wilderness and it's there that he was tempted by the, by the enemy and he's empowered through the Holy Spirit to deal with that. So Jesus himself encountered the Holy Spirit as a, in a baptismal kind of way. And towards the end of his time here and with the disciples, you have this beautiful discourse in uh, John 14 onwards, where he's explaining to the disciples about the fact that he can't stay with them, but he's sending someone else. So I'm going to have this up on the screen and we can follow it together. What I'm going to do is just read it through and then I'm going to pick out some key words and just focus in on those. So let's have a look at this together. This is John 14, reading from 15, if you want to follow it yourselves. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said to him, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's have a look at some of these key phrases from uh, this beautiful passage here. So the first one we can see, we can just about see that's highlighted a bit more, is advocate. And uh, that is the word that Jesus uses for the Holy Holy Spirit. In Greek, it's parakletos, para as in coming alongside. And throughout the scriptures, there are different ways that this word is translated. Um, So advocate, counselor, comforter, encourager, helper. What incredible words to describe. What a precious, precious thing that we have someone who speaks on our behalf, who can comfort us, counsel us, encourage us and help us. That is what the Holy Spirit has come to do. And uh, throughout this passage, Jesus is trying to explain to them kind of what that means and what's that what that's going to look like. And I can imagine it must have been quite a lot, really, for them to get their heads round. He says to them, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. 
And uh, I can imagine quite a few kind of looks between the disciples at this point of, what's he on about? What does he actually mean? He's with you. He will be in you. And of course, they had been living with Jesus, following Jesus, spending time with Jesus. They knew the Holy Spirit because they knew Jesus. He lived with them, but he was going to be in them. And this is what he's trying to get them to understand. He then goes on, on that day, and that's Pentecost, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, that you are in me, and I am in you. Let's just think about that for a second. I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. That wonderful picture of the Trinity and us. That's what we are a part of. How precious is that? How precious is that? And right at the bottom here, Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. I remember when I was at university in my second year, and it was quite a challenging time. I was very, very busy in my second year, all sorts of stuff going on, and hadn't been a Christian long, a few months probably, and uh, was going through quite a tough time in the house that I was in at that time. And I remember one weekend feeling homesick, and um, going on, it was on a Saturday, and I remember kind of tea time-ish, going to the phone box at the end of the road because there weren't mobile phones then. (laughs) That's how old I am. Um, Going to the phone box at the end of the road and ringing home. And um, I think actually when you're homesick, ringing home is probably the worst thing you can do. Um, So they're all having dinner in my family and they're passing the phone around to each other and they're all chatting to me. And uh, I kind of came off the phone and trudged back to my house, thinking, I don't want to be here, I want to be home. And it was really, really hard. And um, I remember going to bed that night and uh, picking up John's gospel. Because if you're not in a good place, John's gospel is always a great go-to. So I um, picked up John's gospel, and I was very new to the Bible, really and uh, started reading. And I remember, you know, my eyes were starting to close. I was getting tired. But I just had that sense that God was saying to me, just keep going, just keep going. And then I read that. We will come to him and make our home with him. And I remember so vividly, even though it was years ago, just like my entire room was transformed And from within and without, I remember just the sweetest, most wonderful sense and presence of the Holy Spirit with me. And I remember knowing I am always at home. I am always at home because my home is with my Heavenly Father. My home is with Jesus. My home is with the Holy Spirit. And I can be at home anywhere because home is where they are. And I remember that so, so vividly and that wonderful sense of God's presence coming to meet with me there in that place. Well, at the end of this uh, passage in John 14, it takes quite a different tone. 
Um, because Jesus, from where he is, they're in Jerusalem, they've just had the Passover, says, come on, let's leave. And um, they go out across and they're making their journey to the Mount of Olives. And um, we then have this beautiful um, kind of figurative talk from Jesus in John 15, which will be a very familiar passage to many of us. And uh, you can imagine, after Jesus is talking like this to them about, he's with you, he'll be, he'll be in you, you're one, I'm one, we're one. I can imagine that some of them are a little bit, hmm, what's going on here? So in the wonderful way that Jesus always did, he draws from the world around him, you know, as he did with bread and seed and water, you know, he used real tangible things to explain things to people. So on their way, they'd have gone through um, a vineyard, Hang on, hang on. Oop. And um, Jesus is trying to explain to them what he means by drawing on this vineyard. And this is what he says I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may be more. Bear, sorry, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing." So Jesus is trying to show them a picture of that connectedness. And I can just see him kind of picking up the vine and showing them the branches and the grapes to help them understand that connectedness. And you know, abide with me is, is a very nice hymn, I suppose. Um, it's often sang at funerals. And uh, I'm sure it's sung at some kind of rugby match or some kind of event. Is it some anthem for something? Rugby, says Ben. Um, you hear people singing, abide with me. And it's, you know, it's a lovely hymn. It's got a nice kind of sentiment to it, to it about wanting God with us. But I'm not a fan <laughs> because God doesn't want to just abide with us. He wants to abide in us. That's what it is. It's about abiding in us, not with us. And the thing with abiding with us is that it's very easy for us to walk away, which is what happened. Now, my lovely friend Sally, who is sat here, you know, she's a great friend to me. She can help me. She can encourage me. She would be my advocate. I know if somebody was having a go at me, she would speak on my behalf. She's nodding there. But I can so easily walk away. And God doesn't just want to abide with us. He wants to abide in us. There's a difference. There's a difference. We need the Holy Spirit abiding in us because if he's somewhere over there, I can so easily wander off and do my own thing. And that's not what God wants for us. Tozer said this, the spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. And it is. 
That was God's plan and purpose, that we would all be filled with his spirit. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. So Jesus goes on to explain what that would look like in our lives. So let's go on now, um, just at the end of 14 into 16 about that. Jesus says this, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness, of judgment and, judge, and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So let's have a look at some of these things that talk about the role and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So first of all, he will teach us all things. How precious is that? We don't need degrees, (laughs) though they can be helpful, but the Holy Spirit is there to be our teacher, to reveal things to us of God. And I'm sure many of us can think of times where the Holy Spirit has explained something to us, maybe from the scriptures or other things where we've had that revelation of, yeah, I see this now, I get this now. And this is part of what the Holy Spirit does. He teaches us all things. He also says that he brings to our remembrance. Now, one of the blessings of working here is that I, uh, I get to work with a lot of older people. And uh, I've noticed that um, sometimes with people who are older, I end up having to fill in a lot of blanks. I get conversations like, you know so-and-so with brown hair, married to her that's blonde and that's, and I'm trying to think, who's this, who's this, what? Because we forget, don't we? We forget. Gosh, I'm sure I'll be there soon. But it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget these things. We forget names, we forget places. But it says in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit will bring things to our remembrance. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? When we need to know things, the Holy Spirit will bring it to our remembrance. And I know many people are going through exams at the moment, and uh, that was always my prayer with every exam. Holy Spirit, bring to remembrance things that are somewhere in this head. (laughs) Bring them to remembrance. And we know that when we need things, God will do that. And I've had conversations with people at times, and uh, I've been asked a question, and I've come out with something, and I've thought, where did that come from? I hadn't thought that, but the Holy Spirit has brought something out, which was what that person needed to hear. So hallelujah, he will do that. He will bring things to our remembrance. He will convict the world. That's not our job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. 
There may be times to challenge and admonish lovingly, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And, uh, you know, when the Holy Spirit moves, it's wonderful to see, you know, kind of laughing and crying and joy. But actually, a conviction of the Holy Spirit is a wonderful and precious thing. Because out of it, there's always forgiveness. There's always freedom. And, you know, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you know about it. (laughs) But afterwards, praise God, he's so merciful with us we can uh, then receive his peace and love afresh. He will guide us into all truth. I think, you know, in days like we're living in, as Ben was talking about last week, this is a really, really important thing, that we let the Holy Spirit guide us into all truth. Because, as Ben was saying last week, each of us has a worldview, We have a lens, we have a bias, you know, we've all been shaped in a certain way as we've grown up, and um, the Holy Spirit can give us his truth into a situation. And, um, you know, I think it's really important that we learn to recognize how the Holy Spirit is doing that within us. We need to know when he is guiding us into all truth. And... um, this probably is a little bit <laughs> unusual, but I remember many, many, many years ago, I was, uh, I'd only been a Christian a few years, so a new Christian, I was in uh, a workshop on prophecy, um, and I can't remember who was leading it, it was somewhere in Telford, I think it was Catch the Fire Ministries, and there was about 100 people in this workshop, and the guy that was leading it said, there are some of you in this room, and your ears are popping, if that's you, can you come to the front? And I'm thinking, oh, that's me. My ears are popping. My ears are popping. This is exciting. So I go to the front. There's about half a dozen, ten people there. And he said to me and to all of us, God is taking you up higher to show you things from his perspective. That's what that is about. So there have been times in my life where my ears will pop. And it's not because I'm going up a hill or in an airplane. It's because God is trying to get my attention because he wants to show me something from his perspective doesn't happen all the time, and um, I don't certainly wait for that to seek God over certain things. And it may be just in a meeting here, suddenly I think, oh, God's trying to get my attention. Recently, I just was kind of, there was something that was going on that was really bothering me, and I got home from work, and I was kind of, you know, starting to get tea ready, and suddenly my ears start popping. And, okay, Lord, what do you want to say to me? So I just spent some time quietly with the Lord, and instantly he showed me a picture and then asked me a question about that picture. And straight away, I knew what God was trying to tell me. And it wasn't my view of the situation at all, but it was his view of the situation, and that's what mattered. Because I I wasn't looking at this right, and God was saying, Andrew, this is what I see. We need him to guide us into all truth, don't we? especially as so many want to distort that truth and make it fit our lifestyles so often. You know, Ben had that prophecy a number of months ago, which has really stayed with me. We cannot broaden a narrow path. And above all, we're in times and seasons where we really need to know what God's truth is on certain things. So I really encourage each of us and myself to just know, Lord, how how am I recognizing your truth? How am I recognizing your truth? He will tell you of things to come. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise God for a gift of prophecy. And there are times where God will tell us things in advance that we need to know. And sometimes it may be just for us to pray about the situation. It may be for us to act. But the Holy Spirit will reveal things to us. And lastly, in this section, the Holy Spirit is here to glorify Jesus. Hallelujah. And he uses us to do that, to glorify Jesus, to bring glory to him. So there are lots of other scriptures as well that talk about the role of the Holy Spirit. There's just a couple I want to pick up on in in addition from, this is the end of Luke and then the other three are from the beginning of Acts, because I really felt quite challenged looking at these afresh. You know, when Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, he says, you will be clothed with power. We also see after the Holy Spirit came that the apostles were filled with boldness to speak the word of God. We see supernatural healings and miracles taking place. And we also see that uh, Peter and John, who it says were ordinary unschooled men, had a wisdom and an insight beyond their natural learning. That's what God had given them through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I thank God that I can recognize those things in my life, but I also can say, oh, Lord, I need more of that. I need more. I need more. And for all of us, don't we need more of that? God's power flowing through us, boldness to speak his word, to be able to lay hands on the sick and see them healed, to have that discernment and insight in whatever we're doing. We need that, don't we, from God's spirit. And uh, I really, for us, you know, that's my prayer, that we will experience that and know that. There are several other passages which we haven't got time to look at now, but all these will be on the website for people to look at, maybe in their home groups, of all the different things that the Holy Spirit does. Works, searches, speaks, testifies, it goes on. Guides into all truth, we've mentioned that. So I've got a whole heap of scriptures and references on there for you to, uh, to look at in your own time. And I just encourage you really to look at those scriptures and think, okay, can I give testimony for where that's happened in my life? Where do I know of that in other lives? It's good to challenge ourselves with these things. Andrew Murray, the preacher, not the tennis player, he said this, the will of God for every one of his children is that they live entirely and unceasingly under the control of the Holy Spirit. Without being filled with the Spirit, it is impossible for an individual Christian or church to ever live or work as God desires. God wants to give us this blessing, and in our faith we may expect it with the greatest confidence. We cannot be filled with the Spirit until we are prepared to yield ourselves to be led by the Lord Jesus to forsake and sacrifice everything for this pearl of great price. So this morning, for you, is it a case of abiding in or abiding with? That's my question to us this morning. Are our experiences of the Holy Spirit more feeling like away from us or within us? And I'd like Lawrence to um, come back up and uh, lead us in a time of worship now. And I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at, wherever you are, 
Many of you I know are full of the Holy Spirit and have walked with the Lord for a long time. And maybe you just need that fresh touch from him today. Or maybe for the first time, you need to encounter the Holy Spirit. So we're going to spend some time in worship now. And I came across um, an old hymn I've never sung before. And I'm just going to read these words before Lawrence comes and leads us. Oh, for that flame of living fire, which shone so bright in saints of old, which bade their souls to heaven aspire, calm in distress, in danger bold. Where is that spirit, Lord, which dwelt in Abraham's breast and sealed him thine, which made Paul's heart with sorrow melt and glow with energy divine? Is not thy grace as mighty now as when Elijah felt its power, when glory beamed from Moses' brow or Job endured the trying hour? Remember, Lord, the ancient days. Renew thy work, thy grace restore. And while to thee our hearts we raise, on us thy Holy Spirit pour. Shall we stand?